0: People of Hope, Merry Advent. All right, you're still not very trained to say this. We'll have to try again. Merry Advent. Merry Advent. I don't think I'm making it a thing, but I'm trying. I'm Pastor Stephen, and we are in that four-week season called Advent, where we prepare our hearts for Christmas. We're three candles in, the light is descending down to earth, We've got one candle left before the birthday of our Lord. And so we have a special sermon series happening. It's called Come Lord Jesus. On Sundays, if you've been with us, we are celebrating the first coming of Christ, Christmas. And then on Wednesdays, we are anticipating the second coming of Christ through the book of Revelation. Yes, Jesus is coming back. And yes, Revelation is a bit of a crazy book. And I think it's meant to be that way. Last week, we were in Revelation 1, the envelope of this letter that Jesus wrote to his churches through that old fishing buddy of his, John, exile on Patmos. Well, today we are in the last chapter of Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible, all the way down to the very last word, amen. We'll compare the Bible's beginning with the Bible's end, and learn how we ought to live in the middle. Let's start this journey as all journeys should. Let's pray. Gracious God, we live in the middle of the story. And Lord, sometimes it seems like the end just is not in sight. Lord, we walk so often in darkness and yet you say that you want to burst into our life with wonderful light. And so we pray as so many before us prayed, come, Lord Jesus. Come in to our hearts, come into our lives, come into our church, come into our world. As you have at Christmas, Lord, come again. We celebrate you, we anticipate you, and we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and all God's church said, Amen. There are two types of people those who love spoilers and those who love suspense. If you like suspense, you might be shocked to know that there are people in this room who read the last page of the book before they read the middle, who want the final score of the game before they watch the highlights, who even want to know the twist before they watch the movie. Yes, now, I'll admit, spoilers have their benefits. Spoilers help us follow the story. They help us know what to watch for. When your sister skims the book's ending, she knows whether the middle's worth reading. When your brother checks the final score, he knows what mood he'll be in after watching the highlights. Spoilers tell us what to anticipate. Now, raise your hand if you are a spoilers person. You want to know what's coming. Do we have any spoilers people in the room? Wow, okay, yes. They're all just like, yes. From here, I can actually see a lot of people. All right, spoilers people own it. You want to know what's coming? Yeah, there we go, yeah. All right, suspense people. You know, you want to be left in suspense. You know, you want to feel the twists and the turns. Well, normally, I'm a suspense person. You can probably tell by my setup. But tonight, spoiler alert, we are reading the last page of the Bible, And spoiler alert, Jesus wins. Revelation 22, verse 12. Look, Jesus says, I am coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they've done. I am the alpha and the omega, like we talked about last week. The A to Z, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Who here is speaking? Do you remember from last week? Who's speaking? Jesus. All right. Everyone here is, you know, you're listening intently, but who here is speaking? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, you can talk in church. It's okay. Maybe you were trained differently, but Jesus, that small town carpenter born of a virgin teen mom who happens to be the maker of heaven and earth. Jesus, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. The one who made all things and the one who will remake all things. And so in order to understand where we're at, we've got to see where we've been. And so let's compare the Bible's opening chapters with the Bible's closing, closing chapters. And so right off the bat, in Genesis, we've got the creation story. Let's read this together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Well, in Revelation, Right off the bat, we've got the re-creation story. Let's read this together. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And so this is how it's going to go. We'll see these parallels between the opening chapters of Genesis and the closing chapters of Revelation. What's the first book of the Bible? Genesis. In Genesis, the sun and moon rule the day and the night. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. What's the last book of the Bible? Revelation. In Revelation, the sun and moon are no more. God's glory is that light. The city did not need the sun or the moon to shine, for God and the glory of God gives it light. Now, if you think about the sun and the moon, the sun gives light, the moon reflects it. Well, that's the picture we see in Revelation. God gives light and we reflect it. That's why the prophet Daniel says that we will shine like the stars forever. And these parallels, they just keep coming. So in Genesis, we've got the tree of life. It's standing right there in the middle of the garden. In the middle of the garden was the tree of life. In Revelation, the tree of life is back. On each side of the river stood the tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Don't we need that in our world? The healing of the nations. And so the beginning and the end, we see this tree of life. And you know, what do we find in the middle too? Jesus dies on a tree. The cross, two logs hemmed together. St. Ambrose writes, the cross of Christ is a tree of life, bringing life to the world. In Genesis, a river flows from its center, flows from Eden, a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. In Revelation, the river of life, it's, it's back. It's flowing from the throne of God. And the angel showed me the river of the water of life, as clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God. In Genesis, the curse begins. Cursed is the ground because of you. In Revelation, Every curse ends. No longer will there be any curse. In Genesis, death enters the world. In Revelation, death is no more. There will be no more death for the old order of things has passed away. In Revelation, we're banished from the garden. In Genesis, we're banished from the garden and Revelation, we're invited back inside. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go through the gates into the city. Outside, Revelation continues. This is that back page of the Bible right here, Revelation 22. Outside are the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehoods. Does anyone have dogs in here? Yeah, hopefully that doesn't describe your pet. <laughs> A word about the dogs. The dogs are those who love sin more than anything else. They love sin so much that they would rather spend eternity in sin than in paradise. God gives them what they ask for. Overcome by sin, they become like wild animals outside of the gates of paradise, no longer able nor willing to repent, for they've chosen their reward. The scriptures have many names for this place. Hell, the outer darkness, the eternal night. Why does such a place exist? because love is a two-way street. God loves us. And because he loves us, he doesn't force us to love him back. In Genesis, God gave us a choice. 2.16, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Well, in Revelation, God gives us a final choice to become innocent again or to remain in our sin forever. I, Jesus, Revelation 22 continues, have sent my angel to give you this testimony to the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David. Remember, he's Joseph's kid. Oh, and I'm also the bright morning star. Yeah, the one before all things. The spirit and the bride say, come. Come. And let the one who hears say, what's that word? Come. Let the one who is thirsty, what? Come. Let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. What does God want you to do? He wants you to come. There's no question about where God wants you to spend your forever. He wants to be with you. He wants you to be with him. And so he invites you to come, to eat from the tree of life, to drink from the river of life. He invites you to spend eternity with him. And so he's coming back to personally take us there. First Thessalonians 4, 16 puts it this way. It says, the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, with the trumpet call of God. You're going to hear this. And the dead in Christ will rise first. You can't miss it. If you're alive, you'll see it. If you're dead, you'll be raised back to life and you'll see it. He'll make all things new. Heaven will crash down to earth and the two will become one. He'll reverse death. Loved ones you lost will breathe again. You can hold their hand again. He'll reverse sickness and pain. No more doctor's visits. No more popping pills. He'll reverse sin and shame. No more hurting. No more hiding. And so, we will be with the lord what's that word forever we will be with the lord forever revelation 22:20 20. he who testifies to these things says yes i am coming soon amen come lord jesus jesus is coming when soon all right, but wait a second. John wrote these words roughly 2,000 years ago. That doesn't seem like soon. What is Jesus waiting for? He's waiting for us. Second Peter 3, 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness, instead he is what? Patience with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. He's waiting for as many people as possible to respond to his invitation. Come. He's sending out the RSVPs. He is just waiting for the yeses to roll in. And so that takes us to the final verse of our Bible, Revelation twenty-two, twenty-one. 21 the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. And the final word, amen. The word amen, you'll hear different meanings, different translations, let it be so, may it be. The word amen at simplest means yes, yes, come Lord Jesus. The Bible begins and ends with Jesus, who made all things and who will remake all things. Revelation is Genesis in reverse. Sin in reverse. Death in reverse. Brokenness is rewound. All is made new. I imagine it might look something like this. heard the ending how do we live in the middle we live like we've read the ending of the book we live like we've seen the final score of the game spoiler alert jesus wins the best books have moments where the hero struggles the best games have moments where your team's down a few points maybe you're in one of these moments Maybe your health's taking a turn for the worst. Maybe your bills are bigger than your bank account. Maybe you've said words that you wish you could take back. Maybe you just feel stuck. The hope is this. This isn't the end of your story. You're in the middle. Newsflash. Jesus is coming back. The Bible ends with two very simple prayers that we saw in our text for people like us stuck in the middle. The first is this, come Lord Jesus. And the second is like it. Amen. If you've ever driven Highway 10 out toward Detroit Lakes, you'll pass this old Lutheran church, and it's got a very curious name. It's called Maranatha. Has anyone seen this church there on Highway 10? Maranatha. Does anyone know what Maranatha means? It means, come Lord Jesus. When Paul wrote his letters, they were almost entirely in Greek, and yet he left one part in Aramaic. It's an ancient prayer, a prayer of the early church, and that prayer is this. Maranatha. Let's try to say it together. Maranatha. It means come, Lord Jesus. When you're in those moments where you're stuck in the middle of your story waiting for the end, come, Lord Jesus. When you're in those moments of pain, of shame, of darkness, come, Lord Jesus. Maranatha. And Jesus. He left us with this prayer and the very end of our Bible, but he gave us one at the very last word. That word is Amen. This word meaning yes, yes, Lord, let it be so. Every day you have countless opportunities. To say yes to the still, small voice of God, that nudging of the Holy Spirit to say amen, yes, Lord, and to take that next step forward, the next step forward to victory because people of hope, and we are so well-named because we are people of hope. We know how the story ends. Live like you know the ending to the story. Jesus wins. Come, Lord Jesus, Maranatha. Amen. Heavenly Father, you've given us a story, and it's powerful. It's riveting, filled with twists and turns, ups and downs. It's a roller coaster from Genesis to Revelation. And yet, Lord, you've made one thing abundantly clear. You win. Lord, help us to be on the winning side. Help us to be on your side. Help us to give you our yes. To pray with the many who have gone before us, come, Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Amen.